Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. And today we are. Today we're going to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay, so let's get us started. So Final Fantasy VII Remake was announced in 2015, and it finally arrived April 10th, 2020. Or April 3rd, if you're in Europe, I think. It came out early, didn't it? In physical form. I think Australia too. Anyway, that's an aside. It's a remake of the 1997 PS1 game. But as an action RPG... So the original game was a traditional turn-based JRPG. And this remake is a reimagining of just the first section of that game up to the escape from Midgar in glorious 2020 detail. So Mike, had had you played the PS1 original? Yeah, so I played the original back in the day. It was actually the first mainline Final Fantasy game to be released in the UK. So I knew about the Final Fantasy series from some gaming magazines I used to read, and I I really wanted to play them, but none of them were released in the UK. Final Fantasy Adventure doesn't count. And yeah, when this one was finally released in the UK, I was really excited to play it. I think I bought a PlayStation just to play this game. I haven't played any of the extended universe games, though. So there's a bunch of other games set in the Final Fantasy VII universe, like Before Crisis and Dirge of Cerberus. So I have not played those. I've only played the base Final Fantasy VII game. Oh, and I've seen Advent Children, the movie. One other thing to note as well is since playing this all the way back in the 90s, I hadn't actually played it again. So when I started playing Remake, I became quite confused because I was like, is this in the original? Is this not in the original? And so I actually bought the original again on PC, on Steam. And I have been alternating Remake and Original for this playthrough. So... I was playing a chapter of Remake and then I was playing the equivalent chapter in the original game just to jog my memory because it's it's been so long. So, you know, that's the dedication to this podcast. I played two games for this book club app. Anyway, over to you. Well, it's easy for me. I hadn't played this before. I didn't have a PlayStation 1. 
I mean, that's not an excuse these days. It's been it's been out on everything. It's only it's on your phone nowadays. It's an old game. It's from nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, that is an old game. Has it aged well? Well, that's a whole other question. Let's not get into that. So you you really knew nothing about it. I know the characters' names. I have seen like music videos of the story. Music videos? Yeah, like System of a Down. They, you know, someone will edit some weird thing and they'll put System of a Down to it. What? what? System of a Down? just an epic story. I'll, I'll send over to you. <laughs> yeah, you should send this over to me because I... For... That's all I remember from Final Fantasy VII. There was a lot of like dedications to the story because it was just so epic. It was very epic. Although, System of a Down is not the first thing that comes to mind. I know it's on multiple discs. And it was very long. Yeah. Actually, I think the original game... I think most Final Fantasy games are about 60-ish hours. The, the Midgar section of the original game, though, is maybe 5 to 10 at most. But... I finished the remake. I got to the end of it. This afternoon, in fact. <laughs> I barely finished it on time. It took me 47 hours to finish. <laughs> now, like, admittedly, I was playing at quite a leisurely place and I was also making notes and stuff, but it's like hugely distended. Like, it was so much longer than the original. Like, the original is really punchy, as I know, because I played through it as well. But the remake is just. Well, we'll get to that. But anyway, so I finished it. I didn't. I only got to chapter eight. But the goal wasn't to finish, I'm hoping. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, you know, you can set your own goals. That's allowed. You're not going to hold me back, though, right? I'm allowed to say anything I like. Say whatever you like, yeah. And with that, I should say, there will be spoilers. So there will be spoilers for the Final Fantasy Seven remake and there will be spoilers for the whole of the original final fantasy 7 as well so i'll be mentioning things that happen in the ending of both With that, let's start. Yeah, let's talk about what was the same as the original. So I let me start because I've not played the original, so I'll start with some questions. The ATP gauge? That's the same, right? That is the same. So the mechanics of the original game, you take turns. You're allowed to take your turn when your ATB gauge fills up. And the rate at which it fills is based on your speed stat, I think. And in this game, they've kind of 
somehow managed to recapture the feel of that. Like, despite it being an action RPG, the combat system weirdly feels the same as the turn-based combat of the original. So, although you can run around and hit stuff whenever you like, you have this ATB gauge and it fills up on its own based on your speed stat. It fills up faster if you do stuff, like if you hit enemies. And if you want to perform an action other than just basic attacking, blocking, dodging, like casting a spell, using an ability, using an item, it will consume a chunk of your ATB gauge. So, despite it being an action RPG, they've managed to include this turn-based element it's very clever actually it really works very very well it has that same tension that you get in the original where you take a big hit and you're in really low health but you can't heal because it's not your turn yet and you know that will happen in this game too you'll take a big hit you don't have any atb gauge chunks to use up and now do you just run away and wait for the bar to naturally fill so you can use a heal or do you take a risk and run in and hit it to try and fill the bar faster i mean i guess that doesn't really happen in the original but it's still that same tension of i want to heal now and i can't so the other major component of the sort of the battle system equipment system battle mechanics is the material system which i've not seen anywhere else did they keep it the same for this remake? Yeah, to my knowledge, Final Fantasy VII is the only game that uses this system. But it's a really good system. It's a shame that other games don't use it. So, yes, the remake is pretty much the same as the original. I mean, it's slightly different, as are all things, but... The gist of it is there. So your weapon, your armor, they have materia sockets. You get individual sockets. You get linked sockets. There are different kinds of materia. So some of them boost stats. Some of them let you take different actions. Some of them only work when paired with another piece of materia in a linked socket. It's a very elegant and versatile system and it forces you to make interesting trade-offs so you know do you put in offensive magic do you put in healing magic do you put in defensive spells you've only got one multicast materia so do you pair it with a healing spell so you can heal your party or do you pair it with an offensive spell so you can attack many enemies at once it's smartly done, and it works the same in the remake as it does in the original. When I first started this game and I tried to understand what the material system was all about, no one really articulated. No site was able to articulate what were the sort of basic components of it. But you've done quite a good job. Oh, or thank you. And I think the, there's one more thing to mention is that you can you level up the material, that one material blob. Yeah, that's that's the other nice thing about it, actually, because it's that ball of materia that's gaining, well, AP rather than EXP. But yes, 
to begin with, the material will be able to cast like a low-level fire spell or a low-level healing spell. And as you fight battles with that piece of materia equipped, the materia itself will level up and that you cast the next tier of spell and so on. And if you change your party, well, they don't have to start with rubbish spells. You can just give them that piece of materia that your other party member was leveling up and they'll know those powerful spells as well. It really is very elegant. It it really surprised me, actually, when I played some of the other Final Fantasy games that don't use the system. And, yeah, they, they actually play out quite differently, like the way you end up composing your party as a result. Shall we talk about the story? And you don't have much to say here, right? No, I don't. Because I don't have enough context to give you, to give the full answer. So something that actually really surprised me i mean maybe it shouldn't have surprised me but how much of the story and setting and world and everything is the same i mean it's a remake so you'd think it should all be the same but it's quite remarkable the way in which they've done it i mean obviously the main beats of the story are there like the the overarching story is is equivalent but Loads and loads of tiny incidental things are straight from the original as well. And I didn't realise this until I started, you know, alternating original and remake. And there are a lot of things that I made a note about when I was playing through the remake. You know, I was like, why does this happen? Or why would you do that? Or this seems like extra filler they've added. And then when I played the original for that same section... Then I realized, oh, wait, this is literally straight from the original. And, and some of them were really surprising. So just to list a few examples, I mean, obviously this isn't everything because then this would be a six hour podcast. When you get back to the bar after the bombing of Maker Reactor 1, Tifa offers to make you a cocktail. And, you know, you've got these two options. Oh, I want something hard and bitter or... I'm not in the mood. And I just assumed when that scene happened that this was like some extra character development that they'd added in the remake to try and like flesh out the characters of Cloud and Tifa. But when I played the original, literally the same scene happens. Literally, she asks you if you'd like a cocktail and literally you get those same dialogue options to say back. You know, it, it really surprised me, but they really reproduced it exactly. And then in the next mission, there's a bit in the remake where you have to pull these levers in sync together. And that's actually in the original game as well. And in the original game, it's really funny, actually, because it's like this total jank mini game with no HUD. You know, in the remake, it's actually really nice. They've done this whole timing thing and the characters count it down. And like, you know, you really satisfy, like, pull the lever and it's like clunk, but... In the original, they just are like, we need to pull the levers in sync, and then it just kind of happens. Also in the reactor, when you finally fight the airbuster, they set up the battle in a very particular way. So the airbuster is in the middle of the walkway, and Cloud is on his own on one side, and Tifa and Barra are on the other side together with the airbuster in the middle. 
in the original game, it's actually the same battle formation. It's like a pincer attack where Cloud and Barrett are on one side, the Airbuster's in the middle, and Cloud is on his own on the other side of the Airbuster. So they remembered that they made a pincer attack in the original game and they deliberately set up the starting conditions of that battle in the remake to be the same. It's like a really nice, tiny nod to that detail. And then an example of something that's different and yet the same at the same time, you know, like there's this huge and to be honest, quite tedious section in the remake where you need to get back to Sector 7 and Aerith is showing you the way. And she takes you through this, inverted commas, shortcut through a collapsed highway. And you've got to fight your way through this collapsed highway. And there are gigantic robotic hands for some reason that Cloud has to control. And Aerith steps on the hands and, you know, you'll lift her onto some other section of the collapsed highway and she'll lower a ladder for you and stuff. So there's this whole, like, hour-ish long section in the collapsed highway. So almost a chapter. I think it pretty much is a whole chapter of fighting through this collapsed highway. So that is actually in the original, it turns out. But in the original, it's like 45 seconds long. So the equivalent scene in the original, you need to get to Sector 7. Aerith says she'll show you the way. You walk into an area that's called Collapsed Highway and... It's basically like two screens tall and it scrolls and you can run from one side to the other and you may get a random encounter. You may not. And if you don't, it literally takes you, you know, like a few seconds to walk from one side to the other. And in this collapsed highway, there is randomly like a robotic arm sticking out of one section. So they took that tiny area called collapsed highway that just incidentally as a bit of detailing that they decided to draw back in the 90s of a robot arm and spun it out into this whole chapter so it's the same i mean obviously it's way way longer but it is the same quite surprising actually and talking of things that are surprising i can't believe that they actually kept in the whole wall market cloud in a dress scene and quest i don't think they would have got away with not doing it right i, I suppose so There's so much yeah, it's such a huge part. focus on it exactly but i'm amazed that they kept it in and that they really it's basically the same again it's really the same <laughs> like you know it is it's a little bit different Particularly in the way that it happens to happen, you know, like the this, this situation, it's almost kind of accidental that Cloud ends up in a dress, it feels, in the remake. In the original, it's like, Aerith says to you, if you want to follow me in here, you, you need to dress up as a woman. And then she kind of goes and talks to some people and you end up, you know, getting a dress made and getting some makeup and getting a tiara and all this stuff. And... In the remake, you get noticed by Andrea Rodea from the Honeybee Inn, and he does the makeup and everything. But 
the actual mini quests that lead to it in War Market, they are the same. So, you know, you have to go and find this drunk dressmaker and get him back to the store. You have to get a mysterious drink from a vending machine. It's kind of implied that it's some, you know, performance enhancer from like this dodgy love hotel or something on the edge of town for a materia seller. You have to get a pharmacy coupon from a restaurant and use it to buy some medicine for someone who is sick on a toilet in a bar. And then, yeah, as I said, the actual bit in the Honeybee Inn is actually quite, quite different, but also really good. There's an amazing DDR minigame where Andrea is just like, follow my lead, and you just have to dance with him. And this is like this amazingly choreographed dance scene. Was it hard? Did you enjoy it, being a DDR fan? I did enjoy it. It was actually really fun. I was actually really torn between like paying attention to the button prompts so I could absolutely ace this DDR section and also just watching the dancing because it was really entertaining. Because <laughs> like the music changes and they're just like dancing in different ways. Like there's a bit where they're like doing like weird techno robot dancing and there's a bit where they're doing, I don't know, like flamenco dancing or something. I don't know. I can't describe it well, but very entertaining. So this bit was different. Yeah. In, in the original game, there's the Honeybee Inn, which is this kind of like seedy burlesque bar slash private room dodgy brothel type place. I don't know. And you go in there and in the original this is, you have a choice of going into the room. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It's got like, it doesn't say that though. It's it's like just got, you know, like they've just put punctuation like they do in in comic books for the name of the room or the group room but whichever room you go into you just get this like weird scene where like eventually some burly guy in a leotard called mucky comes and like slaps you a bit (laughs) and asks you to join his boy harem or something so it's not what you think it is but in the honeybee inn you just see lots of like women dressed up as like honeybees and yeah it's implied that it's like a strip club or something so in the remake there's honey girls and honey boys and yes you end up on stage dancing with andrea rodea and after you absolutely nail the dance off then he does make up and puts you in a dress on stage and then you just walk out of the honeybee in in a dress and straight into don corneo's <laughs> bridal audition and then when Tifa sees you in the dress, it's, <laughs> I think in the original, she sees you in the dress and she's like, Cloud? Like she's really surprised it's you. And in, in the remake, she's like, Cloud, that makeup and that dress. And then Cloud's like, I know, nailed it. Thank you. Moving on. So is it done seriously? It's believable. I mean, How he looks. <laughs> well, he's just literally in a dress. That's the thing. He's Cloud's not actually that burly, right? He is kind of considering that he's like lifting a sword that must weigh like over a hundred kilograms. You know, like that's that sword is huge. 
he's really very svelte. He's got a tiny waist. I mean, they are all kind of slightly cartoonish, right? The, char- the characters don't look completely realistic. They do look slightly cartoony. I guess to avoid them falling into the Uncanny Valley. But they literally just put Cloud in a dress with some pigtails. Which is, in fact, exactly what they do in the original as well. So it works. The end result. I mean, I mean he doesn't look... I, w- I wouldn't say he looks super feminine and like a woman he looks like cloud in a dress but it works it works surprisingly well that's all i need to hear So we've talked about what has been kept the same. We should talk about what's been changed. And so, obviously, the game looks totally different. It's just so, so totally different. You know, it looks it looks amazing, actually. So previously, it was isometric on pre-rendered backgrounds. I, I think it's not even necessarily isometric. The you know, the viewpoint changes, but yeah, it was like, it was like Resident Evil in a sense as well. It's like pre-rendered backgrounds with polygonal characters running around, but really low detailed characters. There were FMV cutscenes where they had higher quality models, but they still looked, well, to be honest, terrible by today's standards, certainly. I mean, I think... I think this game looks better than Advent Children, which is the holy, you know, the fully CG movie they made of Final Fantasy VII, or as a sequel to Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, but that was in the 2000s. It was a long time ago now, it's true. But yeah, it looks really, really good. And they've really managed to produce characters and a world that, look and feel and move like you imagined the game should have looked and felt and moved like based on the original you know like it's obvious that cloud isn't really made up of 20 polygons right like that's not a human being but like if you had to imagine what that 20 polygons was meant to represent the cloud that they've given us in this game is basically what you're imagining and so on for all the characters and the world itself as well. Especially Barrett. <laughs> you like Barrett? The gun arm is amazing as well, actually. Like, it's really... Yeah, it, again, they've somehow managed to make this crazy character really convincing. Actually, skipping ahead of it, there's a really funny bit near the end where... It totally doesn't make sense, really. Like, President Shinra pulls out a gun 
and he's holding he's holding Barrett at gunpoint. And I'm just like, Barrett, you've got a way bigger gun on your arm. <laughs> like, how is this guy threatening you? <laughs> it's like, that's not a gun. This is a gun. <laughs> so some things like that are kind of ridiculous now, but there you go. Shall we move on to the combat? Yeah, I mean, the combat... You know, like the look and feel of it, it, it almost goes without saying. But the combat, for as much as it kind of was similar and captured the feel of the original, it's obviously totally, totally different. So it is real-time combat now. You can run around and attack things whenever you like. The whole balance of it is different. You know, like in the original game, a lot of the time you'd hit things once or twice and they'd die but that was because you were having to wait your turn to do that attack. Like now you can just like run up and wail on things and you'll be hitting them dozens of times before they die. Like the whole thing is rebalanced to be this much faster paced kind of action-y game instead. Did you try the classic mode? I did not. But the, the classic mode I think is still not really like the original, right? Like in the original, you really wait your turn and then you're allowed to make one attack. The classic mode in this just means it's on autopilot. It just is playing the game for you, apart from the abilities. So you're still waiting? Well, you're waiting to use the abilities, but your character's running around and attacking and dodging and blocking and stuff all the time. But I didn't play that way anyway. Like, you know, I felt like this game was intended to be played as an action RPG, and I played it as an action RPG. I mean, I suppose, you know, the, the recent Final Fantasy games have been well they've been trending towards real time for a while i mean the combat system in this is actually really good you've got you know i mentioned before those tactical elements it it feels weirdly the thing that came to mind for me was monster hunter when you're fighting you know these gigantic bosses and they have these different phases where they behave quite differently and you have to see what attacks they're going to do that you know they kind of telegraph them you need to know to dodge you need to decide what abilities to use and you can't just play it completely like an old school final fantasy game you know it's not like oh my atb bar is full now so it's my turn and i'm going to do something because you can be interrupted like early on I almost lost or did lose and like had to restart from checkpoint several fights because I would try and cast a heal and then I would be interrupted and now I have no more MP to cast another heal and I'm just going to die. You know, like I I got really quite annoyed quite a few times about being interrupted until I until I learned to think, you know, oh, I can't just stand and get hit in the face while I'm healing. I need to actually run away and take cover before I try and get this heal off you know, and so on. You know, it's the same for casting offensive spells too. I'd be like, in your face, and I'm going to cast a fireball, and then while I'm casting the fireball, they'll hit me in my face instead. And then, well, that was a waste of, you know, 20 MP or something. It's it's a good evolution of the combat system though. Like, if you look at... Actually, I guess you don't know this, but Final Fantasy Thirteen was turn-based, and yet it was completely mindless. Like, the most efficient way to play Final Fantasy XIII was just to mash the auto button. 
and have it automatically choose what actions for you to do. You know, if you were to manually go and select all the options from the menu, well, you might choose something that was slightly better than the auto option, but it would take like 10 times as long. And so despite it being a turn-based game, you basically just sat there and mashed the button even more so than if it was a real-time game. And then Final Fantasy XV, which is the next kind of mainline single-player Final Fantasy, it's a real-time combat system, but I did not understand what was going on with that game at all. I think I played about 10 hours, and after those 10 hours, I did not understand the combat system still. Whereas this one, I feel like I got it really pretty fast, even though I was being dumb and, you know, getting interrupted. Well, that was my fault. You know, it was obvious. I should have known that. You know, like this combat system was very intuitive, very fun, a really good balance between real time and strategic tactical deciding when to use your abilities. So it's different, but it worked really well. Any comments? No, I agree with you. You say telegraph. It just, it just flashes up what the, the move they're going to do next. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's more so than Monster Hunter. <laughs> I feel it's more tactical than Monster Hunter. Yeah, I mean, maybe that wasn't the best example. It was just, it was just what came to mind. It, it's really good because you, you haven't even talked about limits. Limit, limit, limit breaks. Limit, limit breaks. Nor have you talked about summons. You know, you've managed to say everything and not even talk about these two other components. So there's just so much depth there. Yeah, again, it's it's different, and yet they it's got the feel of the old one, but it's it's modern and new. We should talk about the story. Well, the story changes. Yes, I'm sorry. This is going to be another long monologue from me. <laughs> Because, yeah, for as much as the story is the same, there's quite a lot different too. So they really fleshed out the world a lot. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. So, you know, things like after the opening mission where you blow up reactor number one, in the original game, you just get on a train and you go back to the bar and that's it. But in the remake, there's this whole section of you making your way through town and seeing the aftermath of the explosion. And all the people are terrified. It's, you know, it's a terrorist attack. The power's out. The phones are down. Everything's on fire. You know, seeing the reaction of the people, the aftermath of, of your actions makes the whole thing much more real. They've made... They made it less of a one-dimensional, like, avalanche good, Shinra bad story. You know, you're, you're kind of bad as well. It's, it's more realistic. But then, as I mentioned earlier, as an example of something I think was not so good, some things are just, like, grossly extended for no particular reason. And it, it's kind of ridiculous as well. You know, like, Aerith says, it's a shortcut to avoid war market, and now you have to go for like an hour plus through this collapsed highway like that's not a shortcut you know you'd have been way better off just running through wall market there are some bits of the game that really feel like they overstay their welcome or they're just quite unnecessary you know it's like oh yeah we got more backstory and it was boring i didn't need to know this 
or there are better ways you could have told me this story. You weren't a fan of the side quest, right? No. Wait, wait, were you? It's it's a really tough one because I kind of like world building, but I don't actually feel like the side quest really added much. Like, I wouldn't give an unqualified yes or no to that. But yeah, on the whole, they have tried to make the world make more sense. So Avalanche as an organization is more than just five people now. You know, in the original game, it's kind of implied it's literally just these five people operating out of this bar in Sector 7. And now you are just one cell of Avalanche. And Avalanche is this much larger eco-warrior organization. And then, you know, the world is bigger too, or at least the city is bigger. So, you know, the slums are a much larger area. It's implied that many more people live in the slums and the physical dimensions of the city make more sense. So in the original, there's a bit where you're on the train and you're looking at a map of Midgar and Jesse says to you, the upper plate is 50 meters above the slums. And 50 meters is not really that high for a gigantic metal plate. So in the remake, there's exactly the same scene, but Jesse says, and the plate is 300 meters above the slums. It's like the dimensions of the city, they kind of make more sense. Well, in a way they kind of don't, because 300 meters is huge now. Like suddenly, suddenly this, this construction is like totally, how on earth would you build that? But, but still, if it was a thing that existed, well, now it physically kind of makes more sense. Okay, so once again, just to give a handful of examples of things that they changed or fleshed out, which is, and it's, it's quite interesting to, to think, like, why did they decide these things needed to be changed? Or why did they decide this was where to flesh out the story? And I don't know. Right, like maybe it was just convenient for them, or maybe, maybe when they originally made the game, they really felt like they didn't tell this part of the story well enough, and they needed to improve it. But yeah, just some examples then. So I find it kind of funny that they changed Aerith to Aerith. I think it was probably meant to be Aerith the whole time, but I can't help but still think Aerith in my head. I don't understand. They changed the name. Her name is different in the original. You're saying it was meant to be Aerith, so like localization failed them. I think so. I think so. Okay. So I think the the name in Japanese is Aerith, but they wrote Aeris in the English version, and so everyone in the West thinks Aeris. Well, well, except not anymore. (laughs) They they randomly just added some new chapters, and. I don't really think the new chapters add anything. (laughs) Like, I don't quite get why they did it. Like, there's a whole chapter where you go to see Jesse's parents. And I guess you're just getting some more backstory about the other Avalanche members. But it really felt like filler to me. So, the whole of chapter four, I think, like, just doesn't exist in the original. 
You learn about her dad? You don't know about her dad. Whatever. Doesn't exist. Oh, yeah. And similarly, the return to Sector 7. So, you go back to Sector 7 after the plate has fallen on it. I guess you don't know that happens, do you? Sorry. It's okay. So, in the original game, the plate falls on Sector 7. Like, Shinra destroys the column that's holding the upper city plate above Sector 7. And literally, the plate falls down on Sector 7 and just obliterates Sector 7. In fact, basically, it just, like, kills everyone in Sector 7. Probably all the people on the upper plate, too, because they've just, like, fallen however many stories. And in the original game, Sector 7 is just, like, totally, like, obliterated. There's, like, nothing left. And you can never go back there again. But in the remake, you do actually go back there. And you manage to rescue Wedge. Which is doubly weird, because, like, number one, he survives, like, the plate falling 300 meters onto him. And number two, how is there anything left? How is there anything left after, like, a 10 meter thick steel plate falls on it from 300 meters? So, you know, that bit, I feel, again, was, like, kind of unnecessary and doesn't really make much sense. But quite a lot of things about the plate falling on Sector 7 have been reworked in the remake. Probably because they just thought it was too brutal the first time around. Because, you know, in the original, basically everyone dies. And that includes Jesse, Biggs and Wedge. But in the remake, it seems that a lot of people... We managed to evacuate a lot of people. And certainly Biggs and Wedge survive. Jesse is still kind of ambiguous. Though something of that section of the story that I thought was good that they changed. You get to see Aerith going to the bar, finding Marlene and getting her to safety. Since in the original, Aerith is looking after Wedge and then the plate falls on Sector 7 and Barrett's like, Marlene! And then luckily you discover that Marlene is safe with Aerith's mother. But it's like, how did that happen? But in the remake, there's a whole section where you play as Aerith and you go and rescue Marlene. Sorry. Let's get to something important. Let's get, let's get to the main bit, right? So, the main thing they've changed in the story, there are Dementors now. Like the... So Dementors weren't a, a key part of the original? These weren't, they did not exist at all. Like, the first time... I, I shouldn't really call them Dementors, but that's what they look like. The, the, the Whispers, these weird, weird grey cloak things appear. And I was like, what is this? These do not exist in the original game at all. I, I was really quite against these at first. I was like, again, what are, I, are they just using these to try and pad out the story? But then in the end, it actually turns out it's a really clever twist. So, right near the end of the game, it's revealed that these whispers, or arbiters of fate, they are beings born from the planet to enforce destiny. So they appear whenever events stray too far from what is fated to occur. And so, what does this really mean? It means that whenever the story is starting to diverge too much from the original, they show up and make the story the same as the original game. 
And then very cheekily, one of the final bosses of the game is basically the Whispers. So they coalesce into this gigantic arbiter of fate monster thing and you go to the crossroads of destiny and then beat them and so now all bets are off because now they don't have to stick to the story anymore like i think this is their get out of jail card for like oh final fantasy 7 remake part 2 is totally different from the original story but it'd also be neat if they could keep them in I hope not. I really didn't like them. <laughs> like, I don't begrudge them using them as a MacGuffin to allow them to change the story. But they were just... It's really clever They just MacGuffin. look so bad. They're like the worst looking thing in the remake. They look awful. They just look like, just look like soggy dish rags. You know, like they're not even... Did you do all the side quests? Did you do all the side missions? I, I did all the side missions. I did all... They just animated the mouth. Oh, jeez. Sorry, Carl. Oh, what, what else is there to say? I, I didn't like them, but I was okay with them in the end. But no desire to keep them for the second part? I don't think they need them for the second part. Okay. What was it like for you to play this game having never played the original? And by that I mean, did you think it was good? Let me get to that part later, whether it was good. So let's first talk about the battle system. I really thought I had no chance with the battle system. I, I, I was totally overwhelmed with what to do next. Because as well as building your ATB, you have the you have to choose what items to use or what abilities to use or what spells to use. But then on top of that, there's dodging and blocking. Yeah. I don't even know if you use those. I mean, they help. But certainly early on, you can just attack things and get away with it. Yeah, so obviously I was overthinking it. Because at the beginning I was overwhelmed by the options. But actually, the truth was, I could just attack things. I mean, later on, you definitely can't just attack things. But I think the game ramps up sufficiently slowly that you can figure it out by the time you need to. Yes, exactly. So by the time you need to know what you're doing, you actually do know what you're doing. And I don't know if you ever use the shortcuts. Were you good enough at any point with the battle system that you could use shortcuts? I never bothered with the shortcuts. <laughs> Yeah, so I was never good enough to use shortcuts, but because you can almost pause the game, pause the battle, it's fine. And over time, you, you you sort of have this innate knowledge of where you went wrong. So if you if you lost the fight, you knew where you went wrong, which I thought was quite good. So the next part, you know, it seems like Final Fantasy is about the combat mechanics and then the story. 
and I wanted to focus on the characters. Coming from an outsider's perspective, the game seems really anime. Yeah, this is this is funny because I think I don't notice this because I'm expecting it. I, but I was good call able, out. But I wasn't able to articulate this at all. I can't because probably you have already have terms for these things. So there's unnecessary grunting and sighing all the time, especially on Barrett. I think this is just the characters being really emo. I don't know. Yeah, they do all take themselves very seriously. And the other one I had, I don't know if this is even the right term, is I know Teeth and Jesse would have these success poses when they would say something important. Do you know what I mean? So it's like... This isn't okay. in battle then, I guess, if you're talking about Jesse. This is just in conversation, in cutscenes? In cutscenes, yeah. So it'll be like, oh, let's go on a date. And they'll be like, okay, sign, wink, and I'll flick up my right leg. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I think this is fascinating that I didn't really notice or remark on any of this. <laughs> you know, I was just like, of course, this is what happens in a JRPG. <laughs> It just seems so ridiculous. I, I, I actually did, in my own extended notes, comment on the whole Jesse flirting with Cloud thing, because I don't think that happens in the original at all. Like That's another addition. And yeah, it is Jesse's behavior kicking up the lady. So yeah, she definitely does do that. It is kind of ridiculous. But maybe it's an anime JRPG thing. It didn't surprise me that much. The... You're right, like, Jesse, Tifa, Aerith, they're all kind of after Cloud. It's like a, it's a, it's a, like a harem fantasy or something, isn't it? There's this whole anime subgenre of, like, animes where there's, like, one guy and there's all these girls. I, I guess it's just riffing on that. Is this, like, the original? I mean, the Jesse bit is not. But in the original, there is a whole thing of... Tifa, Aerith, or funnily enough, Barrett. So, you know, you, there's a bit where you go on a date or you you chat with a character. And if you, you know, if you've been nice to Aerith or she likes you, then you go with Aerith. Otherwise, you go with Tifa. But if you don't meet the conditions for either, you end up going on this date with Barrett instead. <laughs> but you only get one date. Yeah. And it happens later in the game. I, I read somewhere that there is a scene like that in the remake as well like just before chapter 15 or something there's a scene where you wake up and you walk outside of Aerith's mother's house and one of the characters will be there and you have a chat with them and depending on your conduct in the game so far it will be either Aerith, Tifa or Barrett okay good observation I also wanted to call out this crazy crazy cutscene with the crazy biker boss roach this is the soldier right he's on the motorbike and he's like dancing about all over the place with his motorbike yeah that's the crazy dude yeah, yeah. this was this is in chapter four this is like one of the filler chapters like this was yes that was ridiculous. I also thought, like, what the... He just, like, blows up another Shinra employee's motorbike just to make a dramatic entrance. Like, that's not okay. That's a report. This is, like, call HR immediately. 
right? This is a conduct issue. But you can't do that. So the other bosses aren't as crazy as this one? No. There, there are some really theatrical bosses, but this guy was even more so. <laughs> and, and he's a new character for the remake. Okay. I really enjoyed it. I just wanted to know if this was par for the course. I mean, you fought Reno, didn't you? Like one of the Turks. Yes, I did, yeah. Yeah, so most of the others are kind of like more that level of ludicrous. Okay. And then finally, I wanted to mention the side quests. I don't know. I think it's made the game look bad. I, I, I do agree with you more than I disagree. Without really thinking about it some more, I'm, I'm not sure I want to throw all the side quests under the bus. You're right. uh, yeah, you're right. There is some... But, but the majority, I think, I would throw under the bus. And then I, I think I'm going to leave the, the summary for later. Over to you. Did you think it was good as someone who wanted to play from a nostalgia point of view? So, I mean, I've said already, I think they did a really quite remarkable job of recapturing the spirit and the feel of the original, despite it being like totally different. And it was amazingly faithful, even for really random and incidental things. The opening section is really, really strong. I, mean, I We talked about this when I played the demo, which is basically the opening section. And yeah, you know, after playing that demo, I really wanted to play this remake. I was kind of lukewarm on it until I played that demo. And then I wanted to play it like day one. Because... I guess because it was the opening mission, you know, it really stuck in my mind. Like, I remembered that opening mission from the original game, like, 20-plus years later. And when I played that opening mission in the remake, it felt like playing that original game opening mission for the first time. You know, it had that wow factor. It had that, like, mystery. It was it was that good, you know. It, I felt the same way that I did when I played the original game. And I'm not the only person who's had this experience. I was actually chatting to a friend who hadn't played the demo, but had played the remake and and finished it before me. And he said to me, it was just amazing. Like when I played when I played the opening mission, it was like I was playing Final Fantasy VII again for the first time. And I was like, yes, exactly. You know, they really did an incredible job at the start. But then I think it really goes downhill because they've all the filler. So I don't know. I don't know if it's just that the spell wears off a bit and you start to see all the flaws. You know, like sometimes the textures don't seem to load properly and they look really terrible. The lip sync is kind of not quite right. Like it's kind of wooden as well, the way the characters move. There's really obvious loading corridors or loading side shimmies i think maybe it's because of all the talk about the ps5 and their amazing you know ssd but there's an unnatural amount of times where you have to walk through a narrow gap sideways really slowly like nowhere has this many narrow gaps we'll never look at narrow gaps the same way ever again (laughs) 
I just think it's funny because like there's a bit. I think when they were demoing it, where they they show Cloud like walking through a narrow gap, and it's like, wow, this is so amazing. They've got this attention to detail, like you know, him squeezing through this narrow space really slowly. But then when you've seen it like twenty times, because like literally every area has like a narrow gap he has to shimmy through. It's like the the illusion is broken. This is definitely <laughs> a loading corridor. And yet the side quests and the filler chapters could have done without them but in the end i think the magic comes back you know like i think like early games like a really are an abstraction right like they couldn't reproduce something that looked real or that worked like reality i mean it's not like we can it's not like we've got like the star trek holodeck and we can make something that's real like you, you know we can't make anything that's real now everything's still an abstraction but it was even more so back then and particularly in the case of turn-based games you know like, no one's really taking turns to hit each other so you had you know the game and the mechanics of the game as they were presented on the screen but in your head you're imagining oh this is this amazing story this is this amazing city called midgar where there's magic and technology and you know, it's powered from the lifeblood of the planet and so on. Like you imagined how it was really, you know, you imagined what they were trying to represent to you with these low poly characters who were taking turns. And the game that we've got now is really much less of an abstraction and much closer to a real breathing version of Midgar. Like I wonder if in like 30 years time when we have a holodeck, we'll get Final Fantasy VII re-remake or something. And we'll do it again, and it'll be even more realistic. But yeah, on the whole, it was amazing. And you know, as as the game builds to a crescendo, as you get to the end game, yeah, you know, I was genuinely caught up in the spell again. Especially, in fact, the final few fights are quite magical. They they because you you know you're battling against fate itself, and you get flashbacks that are really flash forwards you know they're showing you scenes that happen much later in final fantasy 7 like even scenes from the ending cutscene of final fantasy 7 but rendered in the final fantasy 7 remake style so you get to see you know the scene from the very end with red 13 running towards midgar or you get to see the scene where cloud is lowering Aerith's body into a pool of water or the scene where the meteor is coming down onto Midgar, like you see all those scenes, but rendered in 2020 vision, not 90s vision. And, you know, how does it all end? The end of the last fight in Remake is a call-out to the end of the last fight in the original. It's Cloud falling into the void, facing Sephiroth, with exactly the same camera angle, and I really thought that he was going to pull off the same like battle moves that he does in the original i thought it was going to end there but sephiroth like catches his sword and says it's not time yet you know it's all it, there's more to come i know i'm excited for i'm excited for a remake part two but hopefully with less filler
was such a good summary. Now we have to do a summary. I have to do a post summary now. Well, it is time for the summary remake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Final Fantasy VII is really the combat system, the battle mechanics, blah, 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 and its story. I mean, that's pretty much it. Is that right? <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> the color scheme, <laughs> the hairstyles. <laughs> Y- yes, I agree. This game is so easy to play. This thing moves along, even if you don't do anything almost. This is... I don't have to read maps, necessarily. It's all very linear. I don't have to work, figure out what I need to do next. What's the most efficient way to do it? And it's not stressful. It's the complete opposite to Resident Evil 2 Remake. It's been so long since I've played a game which isn't... Which is so light on game. <laughs> which is so light on game this it was like damning like with faint praise i'm sorry <laughs> well i like it i enjoyed it i just it's just such a funny statement be i know you know what i mean sort of you, you, <laughs> i guess you mean it's kind of like a visual novel in the sense that you're there and the story's happening and it's quite hard to fail such that you can't see the next part of the story. Yeah. Right. Like Resident Evil 2 remake. It's quite easy to have your face chewed off by a zombie and go back to a checkpoint. And that's not what happens here. In fact, it's quite different to the original game because in the original game, if you die, you have to go back to your last save, which might be a long time ago because you can only save at save points. But in this game, there are benches scattered very liberally that will refill your HP and MP. And if you lose a fight, you can choose to just restart from just before that fight. And you keep all the XP you earn during that attempt as well. So, yeah, the game is pretty friendly. Also, you don't really have to have any FOMO. Like, part of the reason I took so long, right, is because I went and looked for everything like i went and looked in all these like nooks and crannies and stuff trying to find chests and yeah, i really shouldn't have bothered to be honest because if you miss what are anything you looking for really well exactly i don't know or like hidden weapons or like secrets i don't know but the thing is like you can go back and replay a chapter right i think the reason i've got it in my head that i need to play this way is because final fantasy 7 or the final fantasy games previously there are things you can miss permanently and in my playthrough of final fantasy 7 back in the 90s i did permanently miss one of the summon materia and there's like there's no way to get it again apart from starting the whole game again from scratch and in this after you finish the game you can just choose to replay a chapter and then you can just collect what you missed interestingly i didn't actually worry about missing anything i didn't feel the need to meticulously go and look in every corner I actually did replay two hours of this game because I missed something. I I played the entire Sector 5 reactor mission, then discovered that I'd missed a summer materia in the previous chapter, and then reloaded my save game from the previous chapter, got the materia I'd missed, and then played through the entire Reactor 5 mission again. 
That was crazy. I don't know why I did that. Did you use the summon? I did use the summon. I mean, I better use the summon after I'd spent two hours getting it. But I think your comment that it's completely different from RE2 is really funny because I think it's actually really similar to RE2 in that it's a total reimagining of a game from the 90s. Like, they have significantly changed the presentation. They have significantly changed the mechanics. Like, all they've kept is the high-level story. But all the details, they're fair game. And they've been changed to match, you know, modern gaming conventions. So I get what you're saying about it being totally different to RE2. But at the same time, I think it's exactly the same as the RE2 remake. Good. The the other parallel I would draw, slightly randomly, well, I guess to anime, which maybe lines up with all the sighing you commented on earlier. I think this is going to go the rebuild of Evangelion route. So, Rebuild of Evangelion is a set of films where they've just decided to remake the Neon Genesis Evangelion anime. And the first remake film is a really faithful recreation of the first few episodes of the anime, just with way higher production values. Like, when you watch the remake you think, oh, this is just the anime. But then when you watch the anime, you realise, wow, the remake looks way better. And they fleshed out the story, and they've added some other stuff and so on. But it's pretty faithful. But then from part two, and particularly part three of the remake, the story really changes. Like They really just go off and do their own thing. And from what they've set up in this first part of the FF7 remake, I wonder if that's the route they're going to go. I wonder if we're going to be able to save Aerith. It's going to be the ultimate fan service. You can save her after all. It it seems like almost this is an alternate universe or she's from the future or there's something weird going on. I really also wonder how they're going to do the remake part two because, you know, Final Fantasy VII up to the end of Midgar is actually pretty linear. But from when you leave Midgar, it becomes very open like there's the whole world to explore and you have to track down sephiroth so i don't know how they're going to do it i I originally actually was going to write i think it's going to be impossible but then i realized like games like red dead redemption 2 exist so maybe it is possible it's just going to be really really hard or they will just take this opportunity handed to them by changing the story and it'll be much more linear and that will probably be okay too to be honest okay so closing 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 thoughts do you want to put a number on it how much did you like this game eight and a half eight and a half that's pretty good it's fun i actually think i'd give it an eight surprisingly I would have given it a nine point something without the filler. It's really weird. I actually think like if you literally just took out a couple of the chapters and some of the side quests or didn't make me feel guilty for not doing the side quests, I'd give it a higher mark. It is good. It is actually really good. It could just be better.
Less is more. So, what's the next book club game? So, as escapism from reality, and because we're playing it anyway, Animal Crossing New Horizons. We kind of talked about it a little bit before, but I think there's actually more to say. Definitely much more to say. It's a slow burn kind of game. I think it benefits from just playing a little bit each day over a prolonged period of time. So we're going to play just a little bit each day until the next book club episode. Cool. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.an.ting at lostlevels.club on Twitter at Lost Levels Club anywhere else Reddit slash r slash Lost Levels Club So Michael what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for Northern Lion doing a let's play of a new game that seems to be a better Slay the Spire if such a thing was actually possible which it maybe is Monster Train looks very good. So Michael says bye. Bye bye.